Hi, I'm Tammy Bragg, and thank you for joining us on the Profitable Passions podcast. You'll hear real stories from real women exploring their passions and turning them into profits. They'll share how they got started, what they do, how they do it, and who they work with. And they'll share some great insights that you can use to get started in your own business that you'll love. I know it's hard to figure out what you want to do and who you want to serve. And as women, it's hard to look at ourselves and say we're good at this or that, and we totally undervalue our worth, our skills, and our talents. And a lot of times we're just afraid to get started, but we're our own worst enemies. It's time to break those chains and get out there and just do it. And if you need a boost of confidence, a quick tip, or amazing advice, you've come to the right place. Now, let's find out how we can help you create your profitable passions business. I'm here with Aurora Gregory. She is a speaker pitch mentor, and she teaches speakers to create irresistible pitches that land stages through marketing that matters. As an eighth grader, Aurora was a finalist in a speech contest. She didn't win, but that just might have been the start of her career as a communicator. She's the co-author of the book, Get Picked, Tips, Tricks, and Tools for Creating the Irresistible Speaker Proposal. Global brands work with Aurora to get their message right and create communication programs that connect with customers and develop marketing strategies that work. She has years of experience leading speaker bureau programs and placed hundreds of speakers at local, national, and international conferences. Aurora also coaches speakers on every aspect of the speaker life, from topic development to presentation delivery. When she's not talking, you'll likely find her hiking the foothills in her hometown or on the sofa watching classic movies. How are you today? I'm good, Tammy. How are you? I'm good. So you, you've got quite a uh, resume here with, with speech writing, a book, and, and mentoring your clients. I just, I think that's really great. I, I was telling you before we started recording, I get a little bit nervous on, you know, my speaking. So <laughs> it's so natural and so normal. It hap- I, I get it too. So I'm very sympathetic to anybody else who struggles with it. Yeah, but it seems like it comes natural to you because you've started out at a pretty young age speaking. You want to tell us a little bit about your story and how you kind of got into this and how it's evolved over the years? Absolutely. Well, I I was always one of those kids that, you know, probably would have been described as a chatty Kathy, always a very talkative girl. But when I was in the eighth grade, I was a, um, I was a finalist in a speech contest that was happening in my community. And while I didn't win the contest, I think that was the moment, that experience that taught me, one, the power of public speaking and how important it is to develop it. There was, you know, certainly um, a lot of energy and um, interest in what I had to say. And I learned the power of of telling a story well. The speech that I used for for that contest was about a man that, um, that was the husband of a family friend and how we could learn things from the way that he lived his life. And so that experience, I think, um, really emptied me of the resistance of public speaking, not necessarily the fear, because I actually remember the night of the finals, I was actually very nervous, but it let me know that this is something that, one, I could do and that I could push forward. So as I went through my high school years and college, 
I was always pretty comfortable getting up and talking about something as long as I was well prepared. And it also, I think, led naturally to me, you know, um, falling into a career around marketing and marketing communications and, you know, anything related to doing um, anything related to talking was going to be right up my alley. <laughs> mm, that's great. And, and you've helped a lot of, of your uh, marketing clients, apparently, over the years. Yes, and it's it's been it's really a wonderful thing to do. So I've had a couple of different um, seasons of my career. Um, right out of college, I had a I worked for a public relations agency, and then I had a corporate life where I worked in a for a cor- um, had a corporate job, and always doing communicating, always um, helping what we call subject matter experts prepare for opportunities for them to present, whether it was inside the organization, maybe giving a big presentation to um, a senior leadership team or helping someone get ready for a media interview. Um, This season of my career that's, I guess, lasted the longest um, has been one where I've been, I guess, what we'd call an independent professional. And um, I went out on my own and became a consultant and taking all of my skills and all of the things that I love to do, the things I'm passionate about, and bundling them together and offering them to clients. So for the last, gosh, 20 years, I have been in and out of helping um, executives get ready for speaking engagements, um, and in particular, helping them pitch themselves as speakers to conferences, events, any place where there's an audience that they want to reach and perhaps convert into customers or clients. And it's work that I love. I love being able to help people feel confident and prepared when they go into a speaking opportunity. Oh, wow. So that led to you starting working with a, a colleague to create a book. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, we, I think we chatted a little bit about that. So mm-hmm. my colleague and I had the experience of having um, one of our corporate clients come to us. They were really wanting to get more of their executives speaking at a conference that was important to them. A lot of their customers went to this particular conference and they weren't having very much success. So they asked us to come in and take a look at their proposals to see if we could, you know, help them improve them. And so we brought our knowledge and experience to it. Um, Some of the topics they gave us were not that great and we had to work kind of hard. But um, out of that, we um, increased the number of speakers they placed that first year And then we realized if we use the same strategy that we had employed with some of these, you know, I guess, lukewarm topics to make them better topics, um, we could probably increase that for all of our clients. So we started using the strategy that we had developed and our acceptance rate for our clients just just expanded beyond what we could imagine. We were, you know, having 60, 65% of our proposals were getting accepted. Um, conferences and events were getting in touch with us and saying, you know, can we send other people to you because they want to get the same type of work. Um, And so it was kind of a process that we kept to ourselves for a good 10, 12 years. And then four years ago, we realized, gosh, if we shared this and taught this to any speaker, um, maybe a consultant who wanted to speak more or someone with a motivational message, um, if we shared this with them and they used our strategy, they could increase their chances of getting picked too. And so we decided to write a book and we wrote the book, um, Get Picked, Tips, Tricks, and Tools for Creating an Irresistible Speaker Proposal. 
and were able to launch it as an Amazon bestseller. We were so excited. Um, and that kind of launched um, into being able to help and work with individual speakers and helping them get their pitches ready so that they could launch themselves more successfully and land more stages. You know, for some, speaking professionally is their core business. And for others, maybe more for a consultant, they're looking to speak as part of another, part of a revenue stream, some other, mm -hmm. you know, a way to increase their business. And so we work with, with speakers on either side to help them grow that part of their business. I'm glad that you brought that up. I was just kind of writing some notes of, of different things I wanted to ask you. And one of those was I had went through a webinar earlier today, actually. And one of the the ways that he was, that this particular gentleman was teaching coaches was to go out to speaking events. You can make a million dollars by going to speaking events. You don't even have to be online. You can um, get yourself booked at colleges and businesses because they're always looking for speakers at different events and they have budgets for those things. Plus you can go to like BNAs and other um, networking events and be able to pitch your services there or just speak about your services or what you do and clients will come to you. So do you want to tell me like a little bit about that? Maybe how you can help people sure. with that kind of thing? You know, I tell, I tell people that public speaking is probably the most efficient networking tool that you could ever hope to use. Mm -hmm. From the stage, you can tell and share about what you do and how you do it and showcase your expertise to 50, 100, 150, 300 people all at one time. If you went to just was as an example, if you went to a networking mixer event at your local chamber of commerce, mm -hmm. you and there were 300 people there, it would be impossible for you to have a meaningful conversation with every single one of those people to share what it is that you do. Public speaking is super efficient as a as a marketing tool. What I encourage people to do is um, their their biggest question is like, well, how do I know where to go to speak? It's like, well. It goes back to knowing the customer that you're after. Who is it that you're trying to get to draw? What's your ideal customer? Mm -hmm. Once you have that identified, once you have a lot of clarity around who that is, then you can go out and search, well, where do those people gather? Where do they go to learn? Where do they go to network? Where do they go to fellowship? Like, where do they go to connect with one another? Wherever that is, is where you want to pitch yourself as a speaker. Um, because that's where you're going to find those folks. And then, the, and then as you get ready to pitch yourself as a speaker, you want to make sure that you're going with, um, I guess, with an attitude of serving from the stage. I think that's super mm -hmm. important. If you go um, with the mind that you're there to sell to start, it's not going to go over very well and your pitch isn't probably going to be very effective. But if you see this community of people as needing what you have, then you can shape what you have to bring as a way to teach them something from the mm -hmm. state. And then as a result of that, they'll want to, they'll want, they'll be drawn in to want to know more from you after you get off the stage. So mm -hmm. if you have a book, they'll want to know more about your book. They may be interested in buying it from the back of the room. If you're a coach, they may be interested in engaging with you and signing up for your email list and wanting to know more about your coaching services. Um, all of those types of things, but it, you've got to be able to approach that from a point of serving them and helping them so that they understand, okay, this person cares more about me than just someone who has a pocketbook and will open it for the speaker that's on the stage. 
Do you have um, in your book or through um, your coaching with your clients, do you have a framework or a story framework that they could kind of follow for when they get up on stage or when they go to these speaking events? So what I tell people is that the, the presentation, your speech actually starts at your proposal because if you don't get picked to get on the stage, then it doesn't matter if you're a good speaker or not. You have nowhere to showcase that. So in the book, what we talk about are um, kind of the five most important things, the five pillars or the five key things that make a speaker proposal irresistible. I'm just going to run through them really quickly. Um, One is a hot topic. That's the thing that your audience really wants to know about that you can address. Two is an awesome title. You start selling your speech with the title. It should be clever or creative or very direct. It should really address what that audience is wanting to hear. Mm -hmm. The description of your presentation um, should tell a story. Maybe it starts with a, a sentence or two about where you started or your outcomes. And then you need to give them a little bit of a journey. What's the journey you're gonna take your audience on? What, and then at the end, what's the outcome? What will be different for the audience, you know, at the end of your presentation versus at the start of their presentation? What will, what's the transformation process? And then finally, you need to kind of toot your own horn just a little bit. Give some indication of your success. Maybe that's the number of clients you've supported. Maybe that's um, your own personal, you know, metrics that, you know, let's say you're, let's say you're um, a nutrition coach and that you were able to reduce your cholesterol level to a point that shocked your physician or um, you helped you, you helped you coach your entire family and your family as a group lost 400 pounds, you know, some great metric that says, yes, this is the person that needs to be on the stage. Once you have that together, you can compose a proposal, a pitch to an organization that that has that that collects that group of people. So, you know, using those tools, um, I offer a couple of different um, speaker proposal templates that you that that you can use. There's a course you can take, and of course, you can read the book and everything. Like every bit of knowledge that my colleague David and I have collected over the years is in that book. So it's it's a great tool. I sometimes turn to it just to say, like, I think we did something like that before, and I think we wrote the example in the book. Let me go dig it up. So it, those are the things that I would tell someone: get clear on what you're proposing, what you're pitching, and it will make your life much easier. And it'll make it easier for the, for the, for the event organizer or the, or the um, person that you're pitching to see what it is that you have to offer. Oh, interesting. That's great. Well, can you tell me a little bit more about like opportunities? Where, where can your clients or, or even, you know, anybody that's listening out here, where can they find speaking events. I know we talked about that they probably need to find um, a VA or, or someone like you who knows where to go, but if they were doing it on their own, how would they find some of these and where, like outside of the box ideas where they could speak to? Yep. And I think that's probably the most, it's probably the number one or number two question that I get (laughs) most often. It's like, how do you find speaking opportunities? I'll start with just the the, like the easiest way, the most natural way. And it's, you know, I think someone, some might think that there's some magic to it and there really kind of isn't, but really Google is going to be your best friend in this. Once you decide that you've got some clarity around who your target audience is, that's what you take to Google. Let's just say, um, Tammy will use your audience, women entrepreneurs. You'll go to Google and you'll, and you'll type in women entrepreneur conferences 
2021. And what will come up is all of this detail, all of this information about events that are happening next year for women entrepreneurs. And you'll be able to sort through them. And as you sort through them, you'll find ones that, are, that seem interesting to you. Once you find those and you start collecting a little list, then that's when you go through and you start making some inquiries. How do they select speakers? What's the process? Who's the person I need to direct a pitch to? Once you have all of those details, you're ready to put some material together and send to them. In the world that we're living in today, I feel that we need to consider stages, speaking opportunities really broadly. I like to tell people that we live in a day and a day and time where you can have an audience literally anytime you want. If you are willing to do live streaming, you can be a public speaker this afternoon. Um, be willing to push that blue button that says go live and give your presentation and gather your audience. And I really recommend that because it's scary and hard and it pushes you, it, stretch, it stretches you to really practice your, um, your craft of speaking. And what's awesome is if you think it's a disaster, if it's horrible, you get to delete it. Very few people have to see it and you can try it again the next day. The other speaking opportunity that I really love is what we're doing now is, is being a guest on podcasts. The podcast universe is huge and expanding and invariably there are going to be podcasts, several for the audience that you want to serve. And so I would encourage anyone to, um, to, to really search out to include that. So it's women entrepreneurs as you're Google searching women entrepreneurs podcast and see what comes up. Go and listen to some of those shows. Find the shows that, are, that, that take guests. Find some information about that host. And then offer yourself as a guest. What's awesome about podcasting is your speaking, if you will, lasts well beyond the, the, the launch date of your particular episode. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the podcaster, you know, as they develop their following, what do people want? They want to hear more from that podcaster. So they start binge listening. I did a podcast interview. I think it's close to two years ago. And I know people are still listening to it because I get email signups that I know are directly related to that podcast. So that shelf life, if you will, of my quote unquote speech from two years ago is still delivering benefits to me. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that. But you know, podcasting is, 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 is a great one. Live streaming, push yourself to do that. And then you know, we, we're living as we're recording this, we're still living in the COVID age and live events aren't super possible, but know that they're going to come back and mm -hmm. they'll, be, they'll be ready for that. And in the meantime, we have virtual events. Mm -hmm. And I think virtual events, you know, came, they became important in this season, but I think they're going to continue to be important. I think there's a lot of efficiency around that. And so look for opportunities like that where you can pitch yourself for virtual events, um, summits, things like that. And then, of course, there's things like corporations, yeah, educational institutions, those types of things. Those have a um, kind of a different, unique type of spin on them. We can talk a little mm -hmm. bit more about that if you want to. The world is huge for speakers, and we shouldn't let anything deter us. Don't be intimidated by the vastness of it. Don't let it keep you from stepping your foot into the public speaking world. Do you want to talk a little bit more, expand on that right now? So pitching... Um, 
pitching places like corporations mm -hmm. and um, universities, you have to really, again, hone very deeply into what the need is there. Corporations are looking for for training. They're looking for ways to develop their staff and their teams. So depending on what your, what your topic is, it may not be appropriate for lots of corporations. Very often making connections in a corporation is very relationship based. Mm -hmm. So people ask like, how do you, like, how do I get into to speaking at a corporation? What I always tell people is to look at your current network, your personal network now, who do you know that already works at a corporation that you would like to speak at? Or who do you know that knows someone that can make an introduction for you? It's rare that you were going to land a, a speaking gig at a corporation on a cold pitch where you were just sent, you happened to get an email of a professional development director and you just sent it and it just materializes. Those things are kind of rare. They need, those types of opportunities need to be cultivated. Relationships have to be built. And the same is sort of true for, for academic situations or academic institutions, whether it's universities or high schools. In, in both situations, you have to remember that the primary goal of that organization is to educate students. And the person that you're pitching, their primary job responsibility is probably not picking speakers. So you have to have a little bit more patience as you're going after them, looking for those right people. Their titles are not going to be very natural as you look through them. And again, building relationship is key and perseverance is going to be key. You may have to email several times sharing information that they could use, whether you speak or not, to let them get to know you before they're willing to make that commitment, both of committing the audience to you and committing dollars to you. I know, um, I know of a, a friend who just, well, she had cultivated a relationship, the corporation, and they were coming down to the end of their fiscal year and they needed to, to hire somebody to do legal, like she is a former lawyer, but now she does like legal coaching and things. Mm -hmm. And she has training programs and they hired her and paid her $15,000 to finish out the year for her program. And, right. you know, that was like, it was, it kind of, almost on the place for her at the right time, but she had already cultivated that relationship. And that's a, you know, pretty nice um, gig to spend a day or two and make 15,000. So, you know, it's possible, it's possible to do those types of things. It's, it's absolutely possible. And I think the key that the, you know, the key thing, I think in any of this is being willing to put in the time to build relationship, whether it's, um, you know, even, you know, you and I, Tammy, we're in a Facebook group and we have, you know, gotten to know each other there when you made an, when you said you were looking for particular types of guests and I responded, it's like, oh, well, we already kind of knew each other, even mm -hmm. though we hadn't really met, we knew each other. So yeah. look for those broad places to develop relationships. And again, you know, consider the network you have right now. Who do you know that can help make an introduction? It's kind of like your own personal LinkedIn. Who can link you? Who can help you build that relationship? And as I say, I, I'm a big believer, go in with a, with, a, with a heart and a spirit to want to serve and to help. Being generous doesn't, doesn't have to mean free, but go in with a sense of generosity that people pick up on that and they want to work with people who are who are very generous in what they're giving. They will have no problem paying someone who comes with with a sense of generosity. 
that's that makes a whole lot of sense and I would think too that if you have some programs and you do Facebook lives or you do YouTube or you do podcasting that might also help you be able to land some of these gigs because they can hear you speak and they can see what you offer already so it's kind of building up your portfolio to be able to get into these speaking gigs. It's absolutely true and you know there's a whole other you know discussion about what I call the you know the professional speakers you know wardrobe of tools and some of that it does include having video of you speaking and that can be a little intimidating especially if you're just starting out as a speaker you don't have what they call a sizzle reel or a highlight reel of a whole bunch of speeches that you've done. And that's okay. I tell people, you just because you don't have it doesn't mean that you can't create it, whether that's mm -hmm. you doing a live stream or whether you collect some family and friends and sit them in a restaurant or sit them in your living room and give part of your speech and let someone videotape it. No mm -hmm. one needs to know that you put together a little mini event so that you could capture some video of yourself. And then use that until you get those gigs that where you get the chance to get actual video of you on a stage with an audience and, a, and all of the pieces that go along with it. You know, do it until you get it, but yeah. don't let it intimidate you. Don't let it deter you. Don't let it keep you from, from going after it. I, I think so many of us, and I think this can be especially true for women, um, it doesn't take much to kind of rock our confidence and think and make mm -hmm. us think, oh, you know what, maybe I can't. Oh, I don't, I don't have that. I guess I can't. It's like, no, never, never that. There's mm -hmm. always a workaround until you get what you're supposed to have. Oh, that's, that's so powerful. And I, I love that advice because, you know, there's a lot of tricks in our tool bag that we can use. There's, there's things like for, for instance, Canva, you know, I work with, with people who have need websites sometimes and, and what I find is they may not have the professional photos and that kind of thing. But if you kind of take some of those pictures and you pull out the background and you find a nice background that looks professional, looks like your speaker, you can present yourself in a way that looks very professional, like you're very experienced and give yourself that confidence and other people in you so that you can prove when you get out there on stage, you do have that confidence and you are that professional. So you can you can kind of, like you're saying, fake it until you make it. You know, they, yep. they always say that, you know, and, yep. and it works with confidence and self-esteem and trying to get yourself a professional foothold. It's, that is absolutely true. And I really think that whole idea of like, you know, work with what you have until you can get what you really need. And that's, that's going to be true across the life of your business. As you grow, as you elevate, as you expand, as you become more successful, you'll have more resources to be able to hire that professional photographer, to hire your own video team to work, to hire your own video editors, to, to, to um, arrange for a studio for you to record promos for your next mm -hmm. whatever you're doing. All of that happens in stages. I think sometimes we can get maybe fooled or intimidated by the people that we see that are successful and we think that it was always that way for them and mm -hmm. it wasn't. It, it, mm -hmm. It's never quote unquote that way for anybody when they start. We all start with nothing and have to build to something and that building never stops. You no, know, and one of the things that um, 
I know for myself <laughs> and many of the listeners out here, just to get started, we do have a lot of fears and mm-hmm. we're nervous and we have anxiety. And, you know, one of the, well, I was telling you, one of the reasons that I'm use, using the podcast I'm even doing it now. I'm tripping over my words because I get nervous. So I use the podcast in a way to get myself comfortable with speaking and learning how to do it. Do you have um, some advice for, for women out here who are fearful, have the anxiety, and they're just, they've got nerves, and, you know, wanting to speak on a live or on stage or on a podcast? Right. It's, you know, I, I think it's true of anyone. I, I still, as long as I've been speaking and working with speakers, I still get nervous. And at the end of this, remind me to share my tip. The one thing that I do in a live event, how I help myself get, um, deal with my own nerves. But one of the things that I had to help speakers learn to differentiate between is, is the difference between nerves and fear. Fear is the fear of the unknown and what could go wrong. My equipment could fail. I might trip on stage. I could forget my speech. Like uh, the fear of all of those things that could go wrong. You can, you can make a list of your fears and then create or do things to cut off the possibility or, the, or to reduce the risk of those things happening. So the fear of, oh, I might forget my speech. Well, the, resp- the answer to that is, okay, then we need to make sure we rehearse well. Because if you're well rehearsed and well and confident in your content, you reduce the chances that you'll forget your speech. Oh, I could have an equipment failure. Um, you know, my my laptop might die. Well, we get around that by making sure we have two power cords in our bag and an extra battery pack. You know, there's ways that we can get around minimizing what we're afraid of. Okay, nerves, on the other hand are concerns around your own performance and whether or not you'll be able to do it. It's you're going into a risk kind of situation, getting up on stage in front of people and you're mm-hmm. nervous about that big moment. And that is completely normal. That makes that if, if very few speakers, I think can, can admit to not being nervous at all, having no nerves, no um, no anything, no concern at all about being on a stage. Most speakers can admit to having a little bit of those nerves, those butterflies. Mm-hmm. What I think is important is to develop tools and techniques that allow you to take that nervous energy and channel it into adrenaline that you use to propel yourself into a great delivery of your presentation. If you can channel it into adrenaline, then it becomes power as opposed to crippling. I deal with, you know, being nervous. And most of the time it's like, oh, is anybody going to come? Are they going to understand what I'm talking about? Like, you know, I I just, it's just the nervousness of, of, of all of these strangers coming into the room and me having to present and teach to them. So what I always do, or whenever I, you know, try to make sure I build this into my pre-presentation schedule, is making sure that I get to my presentation spot early. It's usually a room, a conference room, whatever it is. I make sure that I'm there early. And those first few arrivals, those first few people who are coming to hear me, I make a point of going up to them and introducing myself. And I learn their name. And I let them know, hi, I'm Aurora. I'm your presenter today you know, what's your name, Tammy? It's nice to meet you. You know, have you presented much? Like just ask them a couple questions and I'll go around and I'll get to as many people as I can before I have to make my way to the stage. Once I get on stage, 
I make a point of directing my, the first few minutes of my speech to those people that I just met, because now I have mm. friends in the audience. When I know oh. your name, now we're friends. It's yeah. not just people. So now I can start looking at Tammy and saying, mm. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm really looking forward to us having a great hour together. And I use that. And then once I can get past those early few minutes and I can get into my flow and my rhythm because I've rehearsed well, then mm-hmm. I can begin speaking to the rest of the room and feeling mm-hmm. like I can engage from, from the stage, I can engage with everyone. So that's my personal tip. Um, I, I hope some, if, you're, if you've got some nerves that you'll try it. Just introduce yourselves to people, make some friends, And then you know you've got some friendlies in the audience to get you started. Oh, that's great. That's great because, you know, I... I, that will help me because someday I want to be able to speak and not be so nervous on stage. And I'm definitely going to use that because, yeah, you're right. I mean, if you can make friends out there, the nerves go down because you don't have the unknown of like, you know, you also have people on your side because if you stumble over a word or you trip over a chord going on stage, your friends out there and they're not going to laugh at you or they're not going to make you feel bad. And you right. know that they're in your court. So that's great advice. That's yeah. wonderful. And the I, other uh, thing for all of us to remember is that your audience, even if you meet no one, your audience is on your side. They, they want you to do a good job. They're, mm-hmm. they're there for you. No one shows up at a speech saying, oh, I can't wait to see this train wreck. <laughs> no one shows up and says that. They're yeah. looking for a great presentation. They're on your, even if you have you know, one of the worst things that's ever happened to me is the classic tickle in the throat. I, I, that mm-hmm. happened to me. And I had to literally step away from the microphone and cough it out because it was bad. There was, it was no getting around it. No sip of water was going to help me. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, it was certainly an uncomfortable moment, but I also knew this audience is for me and they are mm-hmm. feeling so badly for me right now. We're, yeah. we're together in this. This isn't, this isn't a horrible thing. It's not the best, but it happens. It happens. Yeah. So remember that your audience is on your side. They're never against you. They're always for you. Oh, that's great. Because, you know, you can come back from something like that, make a joke of it, or, you know, just roll your eyes and let them be with you. There's, that's right. <laughs> I've noticed when I've made mistakes on this podcast, um, you know, I'm sitting here being more upset about it then the guest is they're just they're ready to you know go for the next question and they're like oh it'll be edited out or you know and I'm just like oh my gosh I can't believe I'm so nervous and everyone's so great when I do that but it's me being my own worst enemy <laughs> right and and it's natural to feel that way I think you know especially if it's a live stage or you know even just here in this podcast like you know that um you know, you feel it, it is a very exposed place. You're on the stage by yourself. Um, your name is on this podcast. You know, it, you do feel exposed. It, it is a, a risky, vulnerable place to be. But it's also important to remember that even in that vulnerable place, everyone is with you. Everyone is, you know, everyone is supporting you. That, that, that um, moment when I had that coughing attack and then had to come back and I was able to finish my presentation after it was over, you know, people will come up and greet you afterwards. And they're like, Oh, we felt so bad for you. And you know, it's like, they're very sympathetic. They're very supportive. And I, and you, and you can let them know. It's like, Oh, thank you for supporting me. It's like, you know, I talk to people all the time about a tickle in the throat. And now I actually have my own tickle in the throat story to tell. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's great. You can turn an experience of that into something else that you can teach about later. And you exactly. relate to, to your customers and your clients that come to you. And Absolutely. Who, so talking about clients, who do you work with? Who is, who, who is your ideal customer? So I work with, um, with people who want to add speaking, maybe they want to build a business around speaking, or they're looking to add speaking as, you know, potentially either a revenue stream or a marketing tool to their existing business. I love coaching speakers. I love, um, you know, mentoring them into, you know, great topics so that they have great clarity on what they talk about and who they talk to so that they know exactly where they're going to pitch their presentation. I work with a lot of women, work with men too, but I work with a lot of women and, and I love doing that. Um, you know, the experience of working with men and women is different, no less rewarding, but different. And when working with women, one of the things that I think is true about us is that for some of us, it can it doesn't sometimes take very much to rock our confidence that maybe we shouldn't do something or to cause us to question whether we're as good at what we're doing as we think we are. And so some of what I do in, in helping speakers and women in particular is just um, pumping up their confidence and reminding them that their, their zone of genius is as genius as they think it is and that the world needs it, that they can't let a moment of, of, of concern about it keep them from moving forward. The world, all of us have something that the world needs, and we need mm-hmm. to be able to move forward. So in helping you know, entrepreneurs or, or speakers who are trying to get, get those foundational building blocks in place, I work with them on that. And so there's a couple of places and a couple of ways to, you know, to access that. You can certainly pick up my book. Um, like I said, 10 years plus of, of knowledge is in that book. And then if you are approached for a speaker proposal, I have some great proposal templates with some great video training that will teach you how to assemble it all so that you can put something together and you can send it with a lot of confidence because you know, some of us have had that experience where we're, you know, talking with something, someone, we've built a great connection and they say, gosh, this sounds great. Can you send me a proposal? And you're like, sure, I guess. And then you have no idea what's supposed to go in that proposal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I created the Get Picked um, Speaker Toolkit and it includes a bunch of templates and lots of other tools, um, a great list of questions to ask event planners, um, even a template and some swipe copy for what your cover email should be when you send your proposal off. And uh, people can find that at getpickedtoolkit.com. So I, I love being able to offer tools like that. And, and then certainly you could you get in touch with me uh, about coaching because I do do one-on-one coaching as well. Well, that was leading into my next question then. How can, how can potential clients find you? And are you out on social media and the name of your book? <laughs> I am, um, I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and you can probably find me just as Aurora Gregory in all places. I think on Instagram, it's Aurora underscore Gregory, but I'm on all platforms. So you can find me there. Um, my uh, website is auroragregory.com and you can use the contact form to reach out to me there. And then if you're interested in the book, Get Picked, it's available on Amazon, um, hard copy as well as Kindle edition. 
Oh, great. And if that was a lot, a lot of stuff to try to take in, I'm going to have it in the show notes below. And I'll have all of her links and her bio and how to get in touch with her. Aurora, I really have, have enjoyed this conversation. And it's just been an eye-opening, you know, talk to find out a little bit more about the speaker circuit and where you can get um, yourself promoted. I think that's so wonderful what you're doing and helping women in this area particularly. This was terrific, Tammy. I'm so glad that we connected and I love that we got a chance to have a good conversation about this. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it so much. You have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you found some great insights in this episode. You'll find our guest information links and bio in the show notes and on our website profitablepassions.com. I'm Tammy Bragg and I hope you'll listen to future episodes as we have more great stories from incredible women who want to share their journeys with you. So we can attract more awesome guests. We would appreciate it if you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and tell your friends about it. Thanks again for listening to the Profitable Passions podcast and we'll see you on the next episode.